Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to each and every one of you, wherever you are listening in this world. Thank you so much for joining me for another session of the Focus Females Global Chat Cafe. I see our um, host panelists are coming on. I see uh, Tarjay and uh, I believe Allie B is here. Um, We're going to jump right into our program today because we are doing part two of self-actualization. 
But before we get going and I bring my panelists on board, I want to give our shout-out to all of the countries and provinces who have continuously supported us over the years. So, again, a special shout-out to Australia, Belize, Brazil, Cambodia, Canada, Chile, China, Denmark, Germany, Greece, India, Indonesia, Iran, the Ivory Coast, Jamaica, Kenya, Macau, Malaysia, Mexico, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Pakistan, Philippines, Romania, Russia, Saudi Arabia, South Africa, South Korea, Spain, Sweden, Thailand, Trinidad and Tobago, Tunisia, Turkey, United Kingdom, United States. We have quite a few unknowns that we cannot identify yet. And, of course, rounding out our list, Vietnam. With that said, I am your host, Dr. C, a.k.a. the mediator and Shiro right here at Our Ground Zero. I see, as I said, Tar Tarjay is here. And I believe if this is Allie B on the line, press number one on your phone and I will bring you on air. Um, so, Tarjay, good morning, my beautiful one. How are you today? Good morning. I am blessed. How are you? I'm blessed and, of course, highly favored because I could have been gone away from this earth a long time ago. But I guess, you know, between God and his jokes and my mission not being accomplished, <laughs> I'm still here. And I see uh, Allie B. Good morning, Good morning, Allie B. How are morning, you? Everybody. I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you. How are you? I'm good as well. I tell you what, ladies, it must be a family affair right now because none of the other hosts are here. So we're going to keep it moving. Self-actualization part two. Um is defined as the realization of fulfillment of one's talents and potentialities, especially considered as a drive or need present in everyone. And last week's show was fire. This week, I believe that, um, uh, Tarjay, we're going to jump right into your piece because I was reading that, and then we're going to go right into yours, uh, Allie B., as well, because... I think that this week you both touched on some interesting, interesting uh, viewpoints. So we're going to just jump right into that, and then we're going to get into our discussion. So, Tarjay, take it away. All right. So mine is usually short and sweet, but it got a little lengthy this week. Um, my beyond the quote is you can trace every success or failure in your life back to a habit. What you do on a daily basis largely determines what you'll achieve in life. Habits create routine, and let's face it, most of us run our lives by some sort of routine. We get up in the morning and we follow a preset pattern, take a shower, brush our teeth, get dressed, make breakfast, drive to work, do work, and then go home. Some of us choose to follow self-improvement habits, set goals, read inspirational books, work on important projects, and ignore wasteful distractions. Others choose self-destructive habits, do the bare minimum, dull creativity through low-quality entertainment, and eat junk food while blaming others for their failures. That is a quote by S.J. Scott. 
So I expanded on that by saying that procrastination has purchased acres of land and built a large, luxurious property on the space it's taken up in my life. Since my late teens, procrastination has been one of those habits I've longed to shape but never really have. I wasn't really, it wasn't really an issue prior to that because my mother was one of those moms where it was do what I say, when I say, how I say it. And if it wasn't done, there was a whooping and punishment to follow. To avoid such consequences, I did things within her time frame and without room for procrastination. However, once I gained control of my own life at the age of 18, I began to scale back and relax my approach to my meeting deadlines. Although I never missed the mark in regards to completing my work for college, I developed a habit of putting things off as long as I possibly could if it wasn't something I could complete quickly. Not so much at work, but as far as college, I mastered the art of procrastination. I played with the fire a lot to see if I'd get burned, which never happened. So I feed myself the, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mine. What made it even worse is that I did my best work when there was a race against time as opposed to when I paced myself. Procrastination gave me false impression of focus, making me believe that pacing myself and doing little by little was a break in concentration, as opposed to when I forced myself to sit down knowing I had X amount of time before the deadline and that I had, that I've required X amount of time to complete the assignment. To further justify that, I purposely paced myself on a paper and I received a low B. However, I always got A's if I procrastinated. That further added fuel to my procrastination habits. That same habit has allowed me further into adulthood from the age of 18. So here I am, 35, 17 years pro. I'm a creature of habit. So I've always had a routine. I wake up, make sure the kids are up and ready for school, drive 40 minutes to work, work, go home, unwind, and what I call my one to one hour to one and a half hour meditation, spiritual relaxation period. Spend time with the family, eat, watch TV, and go to bed. As part of my job as a behavior health counselor facilitating cognitive substance abuse and reentry classes, I'm always stressing to the offenders the importance of setting long-term goals, breaking them down into short-term goals, and executing them in a way that will keep them on pace to fulfill the goals. However, I had a moment of self-actualization that I realized that I stressed the importance of setting goals and doing things in a timely manner to others, but I often find myself procrastinating and not setting timelines and goals for myself. I will desire for things to be done, but will not necessarily put forth the effort it takes to get things done. Again, not at work, but when it comes to doing what I need to do for myself, like getting back into school, to work on the next degree, exercising regularly, eating healthy daily, I've had these desires, but I haven't put in 100% effort when it comes to execution. I may start a diet, be great for a week or two, and then fall off. Not with the intention of falling off, but to enjoy something that goes against my diet with the intention of it being a one-time thing. Then I was procrastinate about when to get back on my diet. Exercising isn't the easiest thing for me right now as I sustained a neck injury 13 years ago that is now causing chronic pain. I've been told that I need to have surgery sooner rather than later and that pain will get worse and damage more nerves. There's some exercises I can still do, but I have chosen not to do any until the recent quarantine, which has given me the time to do so. I should have completed my master's program by now, but I got lazy and complacent 
I've complained about things that I can't do without a master's degree, but I hadn't done anything to work towards getting the master's either. This time of quarantine has been a really eye-opening time in more ways than one. Although I haven't exercised as much as I'd like, I've been exercising more than I had been. I haven't eliminated junk food completely, but I've eliminated how much I do, how much of it I do consume. I have taught myself how to cook quite a few things, so I'm cooking more than I ever thought I could. My classes haven't t- haven't started yet, but I am officially a student again, and I'm pursuing my MS in clinical mental health counseling, which is what I've always wanted to do. But in all honesty, I didn't want to buckle down and manage working and doing schoolwork. I don't want to be a do-bare-minimum person that SJ refers to. I'm better than bare minimum. I have all the potential to be greater than I am at this point. I'm always told that I'm one of the best group counselors within my agency by my peers, my group members, and my observers. However, I want to be more than just one of the best group counselors. I want to know that I'm doing the best at everything I do in life and that I'm maxing out my potential in all avenues. Cognitive dissonance and procrastination must be evicted from my mental space. I'm buying back my acres of land and building my own mansion on my mental prosperity. The journey begins. Wow. Um, I see Shauna. Sister Shauna has joined us, so good morning, Shauna. How are you this morning? Good morning, good morning. I am well. I am well. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. We're going to jump right into our discussion as soon as Allie B. reads her piece. And then um, it's been an interesting week across the board, and uh, I, I think that today is going to be a really good conversation. Take what Tara J. just wrote and um, what Allie B. is going to say, and I think that we will have a great uh, foundation. In addition, that you and I had spoken early in the week about some some um, topics as well, Shauna. So we're going to jump right into this after Allie B does her piece, and um, we're going to make this another great conversation. So Allie B, take it away. Okay. It's not selfish to put yourself first. I have always wanted to work from home. Teaching middle school language arts solely online is truly an exercise in patience and flexibility and I embrace all that comes with it. Now that I have had the opportunity to teach from home, I am learning several things about this new normal. One, having an established routine is vital to working from home. Two, having a space dedicated to work will minimize distractions. Three, working and homeschooling simultaneously is very difficult. And four, my family could care less if I'm working. When I was younger, my sister always commented on my ability to read, watch television, and hold a conversation, all while playing a game or something on a computer. While I do believe that I still have a strong ability to multitask, and my family knows this, it does not mean that I I should do that, especially during work hours. I can't scramble eggs or check schoolwork or look for the glass measuring cup while I'm working. It's a challenge working from home when your family is also at home. It's also a challenge to create a place at home to get away from it all when you are home all the time. Nevertheless, a line has to be drawn somewhere, and and I have to be the one to draw it. 
If I don't, I will lose sight of the bigger picture of putting my needs first before I focus on the needs of others and be ineffective in all I try to do. I've been taking baby steps on my journey to improving my self-care methods and moving towards self-actualization, something that is new to me. As I work towards achieving my full potential through the expression of what I love doing creatively, I need to establish firm boundaries to protect my purpose and my space. I need to do the following to make sure I use this unique time to my advantage. One, my work time is a part of my weekly routine, and my family will understand that those hours, that during those hours, I am not to be disturbed. Two, where I work is important, and I will work in an area where there are no distractions. I need to keep where I work separate from where I go in my home to relax and unwind. Three, homeschooling and working from home requires a mind shift and consistency. Four, my family will need to figure things out that I normally help them with on their own because I will be unavailable to help them during the day. And five, I will set aside time for myself at some point during the day. I can't work up Maslow's hierarchy of needs if I'm unable to accomplish what I set out to accomplish. Even though my family needs me, I need me more. Wow, both of you ended with such powerful statements. Um, We need us more. And I think that a lot of people feel guilty about that, that they, you know, when they say, I need to put myself first, and then they go back and revert back to convincing themselves that, no, everyone else around them needs them more. So how hard is it? The question right now is how hard is it for each of you to realize that you need you more and that you should put yourselves more? Shauna, you want to go? Yeah, I'll go. Um, It's not hard for me. (laughs) But it was, again, I had to get there. I used to, you know, put, you know, the kids first, you know, my parents and um, because I like to help people, then I'll sit there and be, you know, everyone's cheerleader, and then I come home at the end of the day drained. Um, and then, I, you know, a week goes by, a month mm-hmm. goes by, a year goes by, and I'm still sitting here with unfinished projects while I'm watching everybody that I've helped store. Um, right. So I got – so in that, and that was a hard reality for me because what made the, – the situation that made me look, there was a particular person that I helped – and they did very well for themselves, for themselves and their family. And while they were able to drive like, very expensive luxury cars, live in penthouses and things like that, I was like, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, like, not, I had nothing to do with all of that, but I'm like, I had I contributed a piece of me. And that person was able to take whatever piece and add it to the other pieces. And I'm like, okay, well, when am I going to stop giving away my pieces and build my, my complete puzzle? Right. And then I learned to focus on me. And I do it without apology now. It's not selfish. I thought it too. I thought it was selfish in the beginning. Like, you know, oh, well, God, you know, created us to, you know, be help, you know, help people and the love and blah, 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 you know, and he gave me a gift and I have to share it. Yeah, I, I can, but if I keep filling up your cup, I'm empty. And after I was on empty a few hundred times, 
<laughs> in my life. I said, that's right. it. Um, and I just happened to take a look in the mirror one day and was just like, you know what? And I, I remember I posted it on Facebook and just said, today is a day where I'm not caring about anybody else. I'm not doing anything else for anybody. Today I am solely, it's like I put my palm palms down and I'm focusing on me. Um, hold on. Uh, my grandson just busted right in the door. Excuse me. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> hold on. He has cream of wheat all over himself and not happy because grandma's not paying him attention. Um, you know, but I was like, I'm putting the pom poms down, and today it's going to be all about me. And that was the beginning of my self care and self love routine. And I will, I would never go back. I would never go back for anybody. Right. Ladies, you want to take a shot at that? I think that for me, I'm reaching that point where I need to say enough is enough. I have that nature of myself that I want to be helpful. I get joy out of being able to be, you know, available. But at the same time, as my cup is emptying and filling everybody else's cup, I'm not, you know, pouring back into myself what I need to. And so I need to focus on myself, and it has been difficult because I didn't want to be seen as being selfish, but I know that in order for me to be helpful in the end to others, because that is something I do enjoy doing, I need to help myself first. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what, see, Maria, it also boils down to us knowing our worth. You know, because we yep. give out so much and so much, and because we don't really just think that we deserve that which we're given to other people. And for me, it was like, you know, when I came on that, like I said, that self care, self love mission, it was like, it was hashtag, you know, know your worth. And that was my mission. Like, I'm going to know my worth no matter what, no matter, you know, what else I give out if I'm not giving out not another thing in me because I am also worthy to receive what I give and then some. And, yeah, I made right. it about me. I started in my journey for that, you know, started with, well, part of it was me getting, you know, my massages because, you know, I'm always making sure everybody has their leisure time, their peace time, their home. Uh-uh, I'm going to take care of me now. <laughs> so I had a, routine, a regular routine, a schedule with my, my therapist, and that gave me that, you know, 90 minutes of, you know, that woo-saw that I needed um, to help me rejuvenate the body because it is a whole, in my opinion, for me, it was a whole mind, body, and spirit, you know, work, a workout. It wasn't just, well, let me just take back my voice. Let me just take, it was a whole, I had to revamp everything in order for me to understand right. and know my worth because once you feel it and I grabbed a hold of what that felt like, uh-uh, I'm good. So I'm sorry if I hurt right. somebody along my path now um, because they had, may have been because I trained them. And I actually had apologized to people. People like, girl, why you always don't say sorry? But I said sorry to some people. I said, I'm so sorry that I trained you <laughs> to believe that I was going to always put you first in my life or put you above myself. I'm sorry. And now that I'm taking a, you know, and putting a spotlight for me on me, you're probably feeling a little neglected. That is my fault for allowing you to feel that that was your part. You were the priority above me. That's that. And I just keep moving. Right. And for me, I think that um, 
I tell people all the time at work, it's like, oh, you know, do you have that ready? I'm like, let me tell you something. I have you and an entire borough that I'm over, an entire federal agency that I have to take care of. I don't have time to just sit here and cater to you. You will get your report when everyone else gets theirs. I took time aside to give you your priority, people, for you to be, have process. But beyond that, you fall back in line with everyone else. Oh, okay, I won't bother you until June. Don't bother me in June because everyone will be getting their June reports by then. And you will know what's next, where your people need to be and what they have to do. And, you know, now I always sign a lot of my posts that I do during the week, you know, see Maria Wall, J.D., unapologetically. Because I was taught in my life to feel bad about trying to excel, about trying to have a voice, about trying to do this. And I spent so much of my 56 years, you know, trying to be accepted, trying to do things to make everyone else happy. That's somewhere I lost myself. And because of so many interesting traumas in the last couple of years, in the last say, last decade or so, I find myself reevaluating and um, relearning who I am now. And with every day comes a different challenge and add this pandemic to the mix and things. It's giving a lot of us that time to sit back and um, regroup and rethink. Do you all agree with that or you have a different spin on this because right now I know that I'm in such an, a flux. I don't know from one minute to the next how I'm feeling other than the fact that it's all about me right now. And I wrote the other day that I want um, I want people to learn how to be their own rescue because I'm tired of me being the come-to person for everyone to fix everything. It's very annoying to me and it's taxing and I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about that earlier in the week, you know, that when people are so used to coming to us and then we become their resource and we end up actually becoming a crutch to people. Um, and they don't really realize the toll that it takes on us. Um, that's why it's so imperative for, you know, you and I to, you know, learn to practice what we always say, say no. We practice the no um, and be okay. Um I am a firm believer of this, that whole unapologetically me movement because um, I don't need uh, pe- I don't need people to pat me on the back and endorse what I'm doing or my choices. I make choices based on what I feel at that moment, um, on research or whatever that may be, and whatever consequences, good or bad, I deal with them as they come. But I had to learn to tell people because people I saw were like they always come to me not just for you know like to bail out or you know, to talk, but they look for me for the resources. You know, they look for, you know, my opinion or my next move. Like, okay, well, let, yeah, 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 let's all move forward. Well, let's see what Shauna says, and let's see what Shauna's going to do. Oh, yeah, Shauna said, we'll just do what she's going to do. And some people are like, oh, girl, that's admirable. People might look up to you. It, I hear that, but it, it, it's tired, tiring because, you know, it becomes, you know, I need everybody to contribute to this pot. If we're going to be a tribe, you know, I'm going to be the left arm, you be the right arm, and you be the leg, the head, and, the, you know, so forth. I don't want to be the whole trunk, and I'm always feeding the arms and the legs. I like to be around a tribe 
where we're all contributing to each other's success and to each other's each other being the um, best person or their best version. So it's I'm 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 there with C. I've been there. <laughs> But, you know, it, it becomes we have to keep reminding people that I am my priority. Right. Right. Ladies, anybody? <laughs> you there? Because me and Sia so keep talking. <laughs> um, I, too, am a person who is guilty of putting everybody first. I've always believed in my family coming first and a lot of course they do. My children need to be all right. My husband needs to be all right. But I also, you know, it's to a fault. I use it again, going back into what I what I wrote about, I use it as an excuse to fuel my procrastination. Um, although I do need to put myself first a lot and I need to. I have learned how to put my myself first in different avenues where I hadn't before. I still have, you know, used it when it came to, you know, just for instance, school. Oh well, I need to make sure my kids get through school first because they may need help with homework. I can't balance work and homework and school, you know. So sometimes, to a degree, it has been a crutch for me. But for the most part, I was, you know, for a long time, I put everyone first. Everyone's feelings, everyone's opinions, all that, not necessarily opinions so much, but everyone's feelings and how everyone was doing was always first. And now it's more so what do I need to do so I can make sure that I can maximize my potential and be the best example. And this is yeah. This is the journey that I'm on. I aspire to be able to be more confident in saying no and not feeling guilty. So I'm still working on taking those baby steps towards improving um, what I do for self-care and for the goals that I set for myself. And um, going back to one of the things that Shauna said, you said uh, about retraining and that's important because in thinking about what my family expects from me, I've trained them to expect that from me. They expect me to know where things are. They expect these things. And I don't want to be a crutch, especially for my girls, because I want them to be able to reach their full potential and self-actualize, you know, hopefully a lot sooner than what I'm doing right now. And I'm actually still going through the process of trying to figure out myself and what I want to accomplish and what I need to do to get there. Yeah. And I and think that I a lot of times... One... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing. I, I thought about it after I got quiet. Um, my husband and I, we, we go back and forth because he's like, you have to stop treating your kids as if they're going through the same thing you went through. My thing has always been my mom didn't put me first, so I have to make sure my kids are first. I have to make sure this doesn't happen to them. I have to make sure that they have this amount of love and affection and attention 
I have to make sure I don't discipline them in this manner. And he's like, you're a great mom, but you have to stop being so hard on yourself because you're trying to raise them as if they're going, they're living in the same type of environment that you grew up in. A lot of, you know, what I didn't have growing up from my mom, I poured into my kids, and I poured so much that sometimes I don't have anything left for self. So that's another thing that I'm really working on. Right. And you you hit on something with that because I know I don't have to tell you this, but I did the same thing. I, I, when I was younger, I said, I'm going to love my child. I'm going to give him everything that I didn't have from my own mother, and I'm going to do this and do that. But because I was young, I was 19, 20 years old, um, and my mother's influence was still there. You know, trying to give my child everything that I didn't have backfired in my face in an unholy way. Uh, and I ended up, you know, at rock bottom yet again, kicked, stomped. And to this day, nothing's really changed on that front. Uh, my mother's still just as manipulative as she's ever been. And you know what my son is, uh, you know, and I tell people, I said, I don't have to wait for him to say, that, you know, he's called me a bitch and all kinds of things, and I'm the worst parent in the world because my mother was the best and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, don't worry about it, son. I got you. I can tell everybody this on my own. He hates me, thinks I'm a bitch. I was the worst parent. My mother is his mother because she coddled him and gave him everything and anything to go against me when I continually tried to make things right, to be there, to do the right things. And sometimes when we give, 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 you're right, we have nothing left to give. And sometimes when we try to do the opposites in so many ways and to a certain extent, it backfires on us. Backfired for me, of course, I've gotten used to walking away from everything and anything bad in my life, whether it's, you know, blood or whether it's, it's circumstance, whatever. I know how to walk away, stand my ground, and then walk away. So, again, self-actualization comes with knowing what you need to do, and sometimes it's also knowing when it's time for you to stop doing what you've been doing. Exactly, exactly. And that's that whole, when you evaluate yourself, it's like, okay, we, we become so accustomed of doing certain things, and our bodies are actually programmed to say, hey, wait a minute, she's going left, and we, and we always go right. So it is self-discipline. You have to beat your body and mind into the discipline, into um, self-discipline um, in order for you to reach your desired goals. That's what you have to do. It's painful sometimes, <laughs> but it is necessary. And everybody yeah. will still breathe tomorrow. <laughs> everybody will still breathe tomorrow if they wake up. Yes. Yep. And and that's it. They will. They'll continue. The minute that you stop, they're going to take their mess someplace else. And they're going to survive. Even though it hurts when we, we're at this point where it's like, oh, my gosh, what have I done? What am I going to do and where do I go from here? But if we allow ourselves that chance to put one foot in front of the other and explore where we're going and who we are becoming. We may actually enjoy the journey and like who we find at the end of the road. 
Well, I know that I am enjoying my journey. Um, I am. It, it, like I said, it wasn't always like, oh, wow, this is fun. Um, but I have discovered a lot about me um, and rediscovered things about me. And I am actually okay. I had a conversation with a you know a friend this week, um, who responded with great emotion and passion about some things that she felt about my world. Um, and I can first say that I know I've gone because I just I allowed that person the space to share how they felt, um, because this is a long term friendship. So I gave I gave I gave her the space, and. It helped me to see how far I've come because, you know, I would have popped off at the lip and <laughs> went back and, you know, but it was just like, I, I thank, thank you for your opinion. Thank you for sharing is what I always tell people. Thank you for sharing. Um, and God bless. Because this is the thing. When people, when we're doing our best and we're focusing on us and we're doing those things which we want to do, it may not make sense to the world. We you might look crazy to the outside world, to your friends and family. But this is it for me. If I am happy, if I am content, if I am where I want to be, if I am chasing after the desires of my heart, there's no one here that can tell me what that chase should look like. Nobody here can tell me what that chase should feel like. Of course, you have friends that are going to love you along the way. And they want nothing but the best from you or best, you know, for you. And I believe in her heart she wants the best for me, but she, she still did not see things as which they were. So what I took away from that was, okay, maybe I shared too much. I gave her the, the space because I gave her some information. Now she felt that she took it on personally can comment. And so that's my thought. I take that. But during this time of being home and we're all having this extra time to reflect, uh-huh, there, there, there were some adjustments made. I'm not going to love this person any less, not going to be friends with her any less. But it did put things in perspective. And this is the thing, once I was able to put that in perspective, you know, package it in this nice little pretty box that it should be in, now I know how to move forward. So sometimes when we do that self-reflection, self-evaluation, you know, when we unwrap the packages, because sometimes we put, them, put our stuff in really cute packages, you know, so, and we put them on the shelf and put do not break, you know, in case of, you know, unless it's a case of an emergency. We have to take those packages down. I had to take my, my pretty bold packages down because on the outside, and those packages were representations of, you know, maybe my characteristics and values, some flawed characteristics, some flawed values, you know, flawed beliefs or whatever that is. I had to take those packages and unwrap them and see the, the ugly behind the pretty wrapping paper and that beautiful big bow. And so yeah. it hurt. It hurt. But it's an eye-opener. You know, for me, I put the time in to do it. And still doing it. You know, I'm going to find a pretty box. You know, when I'm cleaning out the closet in a little bit, I'm sure I'm going to find, I'm going to find a little box in there. <laughs> yep. But it goes back to I know what I'm worth now. I'm going to stumble, 
I am going to stumble along the way. I can promise you that. But I know my worth. So that's what, that's just no matter what nobody says, people, just know your worth and stand firm on it. That unapproved, just stand firm, stand firm. Because there's going to always be somebody at the top ready to hit you with the baseball bat to knock you back down. Remind you yep. what you've gone through. Remind you what you've done. Remind you what you've said. Remind you of every single failure. And they got the story wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so the, no, that's the no kicker. You, you touched on something. <laughs> and they get mm-hmm. the story wrong. It's like, wait. Right. Isn't it, it's amazing how people are so much experts at telling you all of your flaws and how it happened. And if you would have did it, you know, you can imagine, as I'm saying, it's the head going from side to side. If you hadn't have done this and if you hadn't have said this, this wouldn't have happened. All the inexperienced experts telling you all about your journey and they don't have a clue. They don't know your map. They don't know anything. But what they heard from somebody who heard it from somebody else who heard it from somebody else, or they're your perpetrators, they're the people that have caused you harm, and they're still trying to make you, give you that guilt trip talk until you just fall in line and say, okay, it was me, it's me, I did it all. And then, you again, where are you back to square one? Because they knocked us back to where we was trying so hard not to be or to escape from. And the vicious mm-hmm. cycle for some continue over and over and over again. This is all about self-actualization, people. There comes that time when you have to know when enough is enough, and you have mm-hmm. to learn how to put yourself first. You know, like Ali Al, Al B. said, you know, it comes down to that point where everybody expects you to be there for everybody else. But there comes that time when I tell people start off with 10 minutes. Five minutes is just not enough. 10 to 15 minutes. Go in the bathroom, lock the door, sit down, do whatever you have to do. Just sit in silence. Do whatever you have to do. Make that time your own because that short amount of time can help give you that strength and and that stress relief and that clarity that you need to keep going. And like I said the other day, My um, titanium tidbit for Friday was learn how to be your own rescue. There are so many people out here right now. And if people should learn, no one should come out of this event that we're in now without looking towards new horizons, without knowing, wow, this gave me a chance to get really clear on where I have been, where I am, and where I need to go. Literally, this is what this is about. We need to understand that so many people are following what media is saying. And media is saying, oh, people, you know, you have the clown in charge who's got his people in certain battleground states revolting. Why the police haven't come in and started to cart them all to jail is beyond me. We don't see what's going on. And it's because it's trickling down from the top of our governmental hierarchy down. And, they, you know, the permeation of this evil, this, this unsettling feeling is going everywhere. So more, now more than ever, that old adage that the change that we need to see is within us and it has to start with us. 
It means so much right here, right now, than ever before in our lifetimes and history for many of us. So today, you know, we're sitting here, and for me, the show feels very lax and and very, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's very calm and a somber day, like it's been interesting. For some, maybe you have to go back out into the world next week. For others, the macabre, the, the normal, it's become, I'm just here for everyone else. I need the change. For me on a job, you know, when you have um, leadership that's unqualified and when, you know, you're not going to be there to make them look good, to answer their questions, they choose to do what we call in the legal term puffery. And in another term, you know, the great imposters now, their their um the falsehood of their existence is starting to come to light and they don't know what to do about it so again so many things are happening in this world i enjoy my solitude because i don't have to deal with trying to negotiate and mediate and be around you know to take care of everyone else And my life as a whole over my entire 56 years has taught me to take this time out, my last years, because I'm pretty sure I'm closer to the end than I am in the beginning. Take this time not to forget about everyone else, but to learn how to put me first. And trust me, I'm still on this journey. I am on this journey every single second of my life. And that's and it's, that's exactly what this is. It's, it's a journey that we have to be intentional about. You know, Tarjay was talking, you know, speaking earlier about procrastination. You know, and now she's seeing, you know, she's making some progress and she's, you know, making a dent in her journey and she's pushing and pressing forward. But then she's yeah. taking intentional steps. You know, I get it. Like mm-hmm. I, girl, procrastination and I were like secret lovers for years, and still sometimes we, <laughs> you know. We roll in the bed together, me and procrastination. And when you said, like, you had wrote your piece, like, that Thursday night or something before, you know, I was was like, I'm fine with that. (laughs) Because there's so many times. No, no. My best. I'm just saying, I'm like, there's so many times that my best work comes from when I sit down and write at the last minute, you know. And for me, and on that topic, you know, it's like, okay, well, if I have, you know, a month to write a piece or write something, you know, it's going to be all me. If I sit back and just say, okay, spirit, flow through me, give me the words, and I promise you every time that I have yielded to spirit to speak and, you know, write through me and, you know, let those words flow, it was always at the last minute. And I'm panicking as a person, like, oh, my goodness, I only have a couple more days or I only have that as and it was just like, okay, well, I'm forcing words down. I'm, and I'm like, and I can make them sound, you know, wonderful. But I'm like, you know, I want those words to flow to me, which are supposed to come to me and be the words that somebody needs to hear. Right. And so sometimes, and that's being intentional, because we can do all this kind of stuff in our flesh. Like, we can forfeit every, we forfeit most things. But it's not until you get, like she said, you get that quiet time, you know, and you, you set your intentions, you set your focus. You have that personal powwow session. 
you know, one of the things I told one of my mentees just, I think it was yesterday, or maybe the day before yesterday, I believe it was, I believe she has, um, she has several children, and we were talking about that quiet time, you know, mommy time. And, you know, at first it was, well, you know, I, I have all these children. I think they're six. And how do I, you know, I, I can't get quiet time. They're always knocking. They're always pulling. And I, so I gave her a little exercise to do. I said, you create a little sign. Make it colorful for the young kids to know. And you put the word mommy time on it. And I said, and you sit down and you have a family meeting <laughs> with the children and say, hey, look at this beautiful sign mommy made. This is going to be called mommy time. And when you see this sign hanging on my door, unless there is a fire burning the house down, we don't interrupt mommy time. And mommy will come back out and check on you when I'm done with mommy time. You know, and she laughed, you know, when I was saying it. But I was just like, you have to, like I said earlier, you have to retrain your children to respect your time just as we have to retrain other people to respect us in our time, and we have to retrain ourselves to respect ourselves and respect our time. I can't, if right. I want to become a skier, I just can't throw some skis on, although we had snow here yesterday. I can't just throw some skis on and just start trying to go down a little hill and think I'm about to get a gold medal at the bottom. It takes years of developing our gifts to be our best version. It takes years to develop our strength, to years to learn to be disciplined. It takes time. So procrastination yeah. is not our friend. <laughs> it is not our friend. It's just not my friend. Let me say that. Procrastination is no longer my friend. We, we divorced. It was a hard breakup. And again, like I said, she comes back every now and again just to say, hey, girl, remember me? <laughs> And some days right. I want to say, yes, let's just lay here together for a second. <laughs> yep. And when, so. let me say this, Shauna, because you uh-huh. touched on something. You touched on something because each of us has said, you know, how we do better under pressure when we hold mm-hmm. it off and when we're underneath the time. But let me say this because every sing- a lot of listeners, maybe not all, but a vast majority, will take that and run with it as validation for their procrastination. So let me put a different spin on this, people. As Shauna said at the end, this is the thing. If you stop procrastinating, you know that what, whatever this month is, if I have a deadline by April 30th and I don't start working on all of my reports and things that I have to do until April 28th, Yeah, I could do a great job, but again, I don't have that time for me to fine-tune. And like you say, you could get an A- minus if you get to the end of a paper when you can have an A+, or when you can write something that will have a greater impact to your instructors, to the world, when you do things. And then you reward yourself. Your reward for doing things a lot longer, not procrastinating, is that by the time the, com- the end comes, you don't have to worry about it. You have all this free time, and that's your reward by doing things. And when I hear Tajay talk, my thing is, my gosh, she is so much younger than I was. I literally waited until I was in my 40s or whatever to get back on track. I went to college straight from high school, but then I got pregnant. I had a child. Then I got married, first marriage. Everything was pushed off. Then I learned the business of business, and I was enjoying 
being at the top of my game back even back then. Then I fell down multiple times and had to restart. But in the end, it was I really did need to finish what I began. And there's so many people to this day who say she never finishes anything, but yet I finished everything. So that comes with the little voices in our head who keep talking against us without having a clue about us. And all of these things, ladies and gentlemen, the day is about self-actualization. Um, good morning, Benita. Thank you for joining us over in our show chat room. And for those of you in the call, Corey, if you want to join our conversation, press the number one on your phone, and I will bring you on air. We have quite a few people over here, so if you want to join us, you're perfectly welcome. If not, you can sit back, relax, and enjoy this. But did anyone get a chance, I'm changing the topic just a tad bit, to hear the premiere of what's really going on last night here on the Healing Through Heard iTalk Radio Network. If you didn't, if you didn't, look, if you didn't, did you hear what I said? I'm like, okay. Um, (laughs) We're about to talk about that a little bit because the young lady who was on, her name is Mallory, and she is a transgender female. What is it? Her, her, hers. (laughs) I I haven't um, forgotten that. Her, hers, her. Her, hers, her. I I think that um, if the host is on, maybe you can come back, and I know you took a lot of notes if she's here. Um, I think I see her in the call query, but I'm not sure. Um, But Bonita, her story and her journey to self-actualization and her decisions and coming to grips with some of her decisions and how positive she is now and beautiful person, Uh, if you didn't hear that program, I would suggest that you go back and give it a listen because if ever there was a wonderful example of self-actualization and she went through an interesting marriage and other little issues and she knows um, the obstacles that she will face in this world and this life and all of these things. So self-actualization When we speak about it, we speak about people from all walks of life, people who have made so many different decisions all over the world. It all comes down to the same process, the same things. The means are slightly different, but the end is always the same, whether it's healing, whether it's lessons learned, they're the same. Our means are different slightly. And I say this because her story was so beautiful about self-actualization. And um, we had a caller, uh, Gene, who had literally called in. And Gene doesn't ever call in on the show. He usually does a lot of um, comments in the chat room. But he called in, and I learned things about even Gene, who I didn't know, about his family and people like that. Again, when you are that beacon of light to show people where their path can go, it opens up the path for others, and they can see their truth clearly. And what we heard was that he was speaking in his truth as much as she was speaking life into him by speaking more of her truth. And today is all about, again, where we left off last week, speaking our truth. So um, I know that I I know that uh, Tarjay, you said that you heard it. What were your thoughts on that? 
Um, I know that you had a lot of comments last night, but what what did you what was your takeaway? The infamous, as some people say, what was your takeaway from the program or well, your nuggets? And you know, I do titanium tidbits because the nugget thing is really you know saturated. But what was your titanium tidbit that you took away? How did it make you feel? What did it make you a thought process do? Um, tell us a little bit about that. It was really enlightening because I have never, I mean, of course, um, in the prison system, there are transgenders. And at the old facility that I used to work at, they actually had a dorm for them because they were not really sure what to do with them. So once they're, um, and you do have some who come to prison just with the intention of they may commit fraud or something small where they won't do a whole lot of time, but they come in just with the intention of, you know, having their surgery finished because they, uh, once they come in the system that way, they have to, the their care has to be maintained. But um, I really didn't understand a lot about the process. And then you have individuals in different stages of the process. So it was one of those things that I was like, well, this is interesting because what really makes, you know, this happen? And when she spoke last night, it really was enlightening because not only did it, I mean, some of the things I already know, you know, some people feel like they're born in the wrong body. Some people feel like at some point maybe they were straight and then they realize, okay, well, this is not who I am. This is who I am. Um, So it was enlightening because she said she always knew. And I remember I did a paper for school, um, and it was about whether it is genetic or it is a choice. And that's something I've always, I've never been able to, you know, give a straight answer because it's like, is it genetic? You have some people where it's generational. You have some people where all their children are, you know, transgender or gay or lesbian or whatever. And then you have some people where they may be one or you have some where they go through phases. So maybe they were gay for five years and then they decided they wanted to be straight. So it's like, is it is it genetic or is it a choice? And I've always, you know, been like, I think in some cases it's genetic, some cases it's a choice, because for some it is a trend, and that's the unfortunate part, just like with any trend. Some people just jump on things because it's the cool thing to do right now or it's the accessible thing to do or the talk about things. But what I learned from Mallory was just that she's always embraced who she was. She never shied away from it, and it was very... I I thought it was remarkable that her parents allowed her to be who she was because when I asked the question about Dwayne Wade and his daughter, Zaya, um, I really didn't know how to feel about that because I was like, you know, Zaya's so young, Zaya's 12, and I wouldn't allow my child, I would support my child, but I wouldn't allow my child to have a, you know, start the process of changing, which Dwayne Wade has not done. He said he has not done that. But adults have jumped all over that child as if, you know, it's first of all, it's not our business. It's not our child to raise. And second of all, he hasn't even, his, his daughter hasn't even started the process. People are just assuming that because Zaya has come out as transgender at 12, that she's starting the process. Um, so like I said, for me, it was very enlightening because when she explained and broke down why I always thought a child should not be able to, start that process. You should wait until you're 18 and, you know, you're sure this is what you want to do 
because, you know, some kids, they, they go back and forth at wishy-washy, but when she explained that the suicide rate is higher, um, just not knowing who they are, that struggle of not really knowing who they are when they know this is what they want to do can be very detrimental to a child. It was really enlightening because, like I said, I was done all on, yeah, hey, 18, because then you, you know for sure what you want to do. But she really broke that down right. and, and changed my way of thinking when it came to, you know, actually starting the process when it comes to being a child or a teenager. Right. I got and uh, one thing. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was saying that I uh, got to catch it uh, later on. I wasn't able to listen while it was live and a lot of the things that uh, Tarjay is saying, like it was kind of eye-opening because I was also thinking about, well, I guess the safe way would be to, you know, have a child, you know, who has had these feelings and they know who they are, but at the same time, they're still kids, so allow them to wait until they're an adult to make that um, transition uh, as far as if they go through and have the surgery and things of that nature. I didn't really think about denying a child an opportunity to live their truth um, to be, you know, detrimental. I was thinking, well, 18 would be the safe, uh, I guess, age range or something to that effect. And I really enjoyed um, listening to Mallory speak and how she, you know, was open, she was transparent and, you know, was positive and was, you know, willing to break down, you know, her gender journey, um, the different uh, aspects of it and even how, you know, that no two uh transgender people go through the same process, um, you know, right. in, in accepting where they have ended their, I guess, transition as far as their gender uh, journey is concerned. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I think I remember. I didn't get a chance to take uh, notes, but I, I really did appreciate her sharing her story and kudos to her parents for being supportive and allowing her that, that space to grow and to be herself and have that safety net uh, in place because a lot of people don't. And I hope that um, even those who didn't have that space in their life to be free in that respect, that they can take uh, some things from what she said and maybe apply it to whatever um, process they're currently going through. Yeah, and I, and I asked this question specifically because I want to um I wanted to bridge this to let people know that so many times we we're living in the land and the time now of separatism where you can't possibly know what it's like to go through what I go through and you can't do this with Mallory she was blessed enough to have supportive parents but you have children who feel ugly who are being bullied and harassed every single day of their lives. And they don't have that out. They don't have that way to express or be who they are. Or remember a few months ago, it was um, one of um, um, Kate and William's son. He's taking dance lessons. And they people don't know that that's not uncommon in the U.K., but they were like, dance lessons, you know, ballet, oh, my gosh, you know. 
people are so judgmental, and it keeps children in that place of silence where they're afraid to express who they are. If he has that that um, wonder and that interest in dance, so be it. You know, we as parents, number one, it starts at home, but then society needs to learn that it's okay to be different. It's, it's okay to have a different um, interest and outlooks on life. So um, I want people to understand that for more, so many people separate us. They say, well, you can't have a family. You can't love. You know, people in same-sex relationships can't love each other. You can't do this. You must be this way and this way alone. And children are meant to be, what's that old added seen but not heard? And that goes across the board. So if you have a child who feels as though he or she is living in the wrong body, or you have a child who has no a little self-esteem for whatever reason, we have to listen to these children, and then we have to come together to see what we can do to help them self-actualize and become the best person that they can become so that they can grow up healthy and happy in their own skin. Just because it's not what we've been told by society that that's what's acceptable and the norm doesn't mean that it's not normal to them and people who are in their world. And I think that, um, I hope I'm getting my point across that so many people, we just think that it's this way or the highway. And children, we have to learn how to listen to them more because so many children are here today that are crying out in silence. And they're going to be the ones that we read about or hear about in the news and in the papers and things of that nature. And that's why, you know, like I walk around and, you know, I express this whole love, love, love thing because, you know, like you said, you know, we've been taught certain ways. You know, it has to be, it, everything has to fit into this box right here and it can't get, it can't have any edges hanging out. Um, it has to fit perfectly in this box. And this is the only box that exists. Everything has to look just like this box. And when we do that and we put that around people or on people, we, we're, we're hindering their growth. We're hindering them to experience their fullness. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're forcing them into that, that, that box when they're the, the environment that they might supposed to be in might be a circle or a triangle or a rectangle or octagon, you know? So when I, you, I allow people to be who they are. I may not agree right. with their methods. I may not agree with their overall, you know, conquest, their journey. But it's theirs. And so I meet people where they are and allow them to be who they are. Right. When people start that explaining themselves, uh-uh-uh, I don't want to hear it. You know, it's like, thank you for wanting to share that, in, you know, with me or entrust me with that information. But you don't have to explain yourself. You made a, make a decision for you, and you move in that decision unapologetically. We do <laughs> right unapologetically. That's our, that should be our word of the year, unapologetically or unapologetic. I think that that should be it. We do have a um, comment over coming over here from social media. Just thought of. 
something. Why did Gabrielle and Dwayne Wade feel the need to share their child's business with the world? That really should have been a family matter based on his age, just the thought. So, you, you know, I think that. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, I mean, again, it's one of those things where they have the platform. Dwayne, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union have a platform. They're trying to use that platform to educate those who have, maybe they have children going through the same issue. Maybe there are some adults who can learn something from this issue. It's not about just putting it out there for attention or for, you know, the shock value. They have a child who is going through the self-actualization process and coming out saying that she is transgender. They're wanting to be supportive, and they're trying to educate other people who may be walking that same journey and not know exactly how to handle that or how to be supportive of that. Or I mean, it's not that. That's what I I don't understand. We are people have so many, it, and everybody's entitled to an opinion. Everybody has an opinion, but if you're not walking that journey, you can't come at people from a critical manner when you don't know their intention. Right. And I think that if media had gotten wind of it before the parents had a chance to do it on their terms mm-hmm. and on their their child's terms, that would have been more detrimental in the long run. We all could be wrong, but it's just opinions that um, that we're sharing right now. And um, we have another caller coming on. Um, it's a block number. Um, if I don't, we don't allow block numbers on the call unless I know who you are. So if you are connected in some way and you can identify and tell me who you are, we will, um, bring you on. Oh, okay. I see it's Bob from, um, Australia. So, um, Bob has a comment for today. We're going to bring him on for a bit. So, oh, what did I just do? Did this even work? Oh, wow. I don't know. Can I you did hear something. Me? Yes, I can hear you. I don't know what happened. Everything just got extra large on my screen. But you're here. Hello, how are you? How are things in Australia? Um, uh, probably as crazy as anywhere else in the world. But, um, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying the... Um, there's less man-made noise around now because people aren't moving around so much, you know, and so many businesses closed down. So I'm really enjoying the additional peace and quiet. Yeah, um, yeah. This this topic you ladies discuss is for me is just so important, so vital. It's like I spent the first forty years of my life chopping off bits of me to fit into what society expected of me and I've spent the last 28 years going back and gathering up all those pieces because I now know that all of me is okay but I had to do a heap of work to get there Um, how can I put it healing the wounds of my childhood has been the most powerful work I've ever done you know and I had a very violent childhood and I got to the stage where um I was doing some inner child work and I got to this stage where, God, I hate you, mum. I hate you. 
Why did you always beat me, you know? But you got to love your mum. And it was that dichotomy that was tearing my soul apart. So through a process of, I wrote to her, telling her my story, and eventually she wrote back to me, telling her, me her story. And she was born in Germany, 24. She had a very violent childhood. And then the light bulb went off. You know, mum was doing her best, but she was just dumping on me what got dumped on her. And so with that realisation, I could move from anger through to back to love. And I managed to phone her back in England, and she was in hospital with a second incidence of bowel cancer. And I managed to speak to her in, in the hospital. And that was the first time we actually spoke as mother and son, you know, two adults. And then the following day she died. So it was, it was beautiful to get that closure. But the amazing, and what's come, my understanding of the process, and I'm not giving you an opinion, this is my witness to life testimony, my personal experience, is that my understanding is that we're all victims of victims, and if you don't hand it back, you pass it on. Like, the messages I internalized as a child were, Mum's always beating me, therefore she doesn't love me, therefore I'm unlovable and it's all my fault. And then the second message was, um, the world's a dangerous place, it's a scary place. And then the message I got from Dad, Dad never spends any time with me, therefore he doesn't love me, therefore I'm unlovable and it's all my fault. And that's the messages that got imbued in my subconscious and that's how I operated through life and this, that's why I ended up suffering from anxiety and depression because I, I still had that in that inbeaten belief that the world was a dangerous place and I was believing what everybody else said about me because you know I'd, I'd lost me you know I had that beaten out of me and I think the challenge for everybody is you look at a toddler when they're wandering around you know just taking their first steps and the world's a magical place and they've got their little arms and stuff, its fingers out. And it just strikes me that that's how we come into this physical experience. We should move on up from there, you know. But by the time most of us are 9 or 10 or 11, all the magic's beaten out. And our society is just producing robots, you know, emotionally suppressed robots. But um, Right, and I, yeah... That's a great point yeah. that you made because if we don't take care of our children and understand that, they do. They become mindless robots. If they survive whatever they're going through and whatever trauma they've been through, and for the topic that we're on right now, this self-actualization thing, if they're not nurtured into that, they're just going to fall into silence. And um, back over on social media, um, the comment is, nope. There are plenty of resources and places for that. Um, what about E.J. Johnson? When did he come out? Media got hold of Shiloh Pitt, and they embraced it immediately. Yes and no. I mean, there are some people who you have to remember something, too, is what we're dealing with in this, in this new norm for the, this country and maybe the world, I don't know. But a lot of people now comes down to, um, or better yet, let me add this to the mix, Charlize Theron, 
her adopted son. She puts him in dresses and things and claims that that's where he wants to be. So some, it depends. Some people are asking the question of, you know, is this something that he told her? Allegedly it was, but some people aren't buying into that. And you have, um, it's another um, um, celebrity whose ch- child is, uh, are, um, uh, is a boy who's dressing up as a girl. It's another one. Um, that may be a show for another day because why is this? Is it because per capita we're just noticing so many celebrities and their children are um, expressing themselves as transgender or did they actually, some of these people, are their children just doing this? Have they actually said that their children have said that this is what they're feeling? Um, I think well, that I... it's left up to, to every parent. I think the parents should decide how they want to, to, the game plan that they want to put in place to make their child feel as comfortable in his or her skin as possible. You know, grow, when Shiloh was yeah. growing up, um, Angelina, I believe Shiloh is Angelina Jolie's and Brad Pitt's child. I think that um, I was like, well, she's she was cute in the beginning and wearing her cutesy little outfit. She's not saying that she's not cute now. What I'm saying is she's a cute little girl when she was a baby in the cute little outfits. And suddenly, the more that she, the older she got, I could see that she was leaning towards wearing boy outfits and cutting her hair like a boy and things like that. Um, well, so, I've again, got an amazing example I'd like to share um, from my days in running um, support groups. And this is um, in the early 90s. Um, I was part of a, an organization that um, re- called sort of reevaluation co-counseling. And it was, um, we all gathered um, in Perth for a big jamboree, all the all the groups in the region. So there was, we, we were on this lovely estate for the weekend and there were boys and girls there and the topic of sexuality came up and all of us are doing the sort of inner child work and with us boys started a sort of king of the castle thing, rough and tumble, you know, um, nothing violent, just boys boys learning how to play again and we looked around and all the girls are sort of all up against the wall frightened they'd never seen men being playfully you know aggressive masculine without you know any violence well I'll get to the point was when we started talking about um heterosexual gay lesbian whatever and people said, well, you know, I, I identify as a, a lesbian and I identify myself as a homosexual. And we said, well, do you want to share your story about your childhood? And it was funny, and this is just what, you know, again, this is my personal worth experience. Now, there was a, an amazing correlation between the, the, the guys that said they were homosexual and the the violence and the beatings they got were from a significant female in their life as a child. So they had violent mothers. And then the women that are identified as lesbian were abused by a significant male in their childhood. So the information I got out of that was there's a strong correlation that these people have chosen their sexuality from a place of fear and not a place 
you know, and when you're frightened and panic, you're not you're not behaving rationally. But you know that I witnessed that, and I still carry that message today. You know that um, I think a lot of what's going on is because so many um, childhoods are abusive, and I'm not blaming the parents because you know the parents are just dumping on their kids what got dumped on them. But I'll, sh- I'll shut up now. <laughs> and thanks for taking my call, ladies. I, I love the topic you sure. discussed. Sure. Thank you. Um, but let me say this. Um, sometimes, yes, trauma is a part of the bigger picture. Again, a show for another day, probably for our uh, Focus After Dark series that's out now with um, what's really going on, um, that program. But um, sometimes there's no trauma. Like, for instance, the young lady who we were speaking about, the young lady who we were speaking about, uh, Mallory, she had a great, supportive parents, wonderful family life. So um, that's another side of this coin. Um, If we're talking about sexuality in that way, you know, because, again, the question was, when did you know? How did you know? Were there underlying circumstances? These are topics that we will discuss on other shows, but you're absolutely right. Some people have um, made these choices out of trauma, and some people have made the choice out of truth. So that's two different sides of this. Anyone else, feel free to um, jump into the conversation here. Um, If you have something to bring to it, I'm, right now I'm reading responses over on social media, and um, some people uh, want to jump on the conversation, but they are in places that have background noise. And um, I told them if they can find a quiet spot or they just have something small to say, then they can feel free and then mute themselves um, and unmute themselves when they have something to say. So um, we may get some more callers come on, but... Um, there is a difference, but when you're walking in your actualization, sometimes it's out of trauma, and sometimes it's merely out of truth. Do you all agree with that? Um, sometimes I do believe it is trauma. Some people um, go through these things because of, I don't know about just physical abuse, but I know um, sexual abuse is um, a likely trigger for a lot of people. Some people become confused. Some people, um, I can't remember the guy's name, the gospel singer. I think he said that the things were happening to him. He knew it wasn't right, but then eventually he started realizing that he enjoyed it. It became something that he enjoyed, so sometimes that happens. It's It's a very complex issue to tackle when you try to figure out why we really don't know all the whys yet and that's the interesting thing about it because there's so many reasons so I I mean I don't think that there's one set response and then like I said trauma I don't know about the physical trauma part maybe but I do believe that sexual trauma is a big um, plays a big role in that especially if it's something that goes on for a um, long amount of time. Yes, and um, this is the thing. Um, Bob said something over in the uh, chat room. He said a child likes any attention, whether healthy or not. 
A, and, and that part there, what it goes back to what you were just saying, um, Tara. The thing is that when some people are experiencing this type of trauma and they know it's not right in the beginning, there have been people who said that they convinced themselves that they liked it just to mm-hmm. help them make it through whatever that trauma is. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, there are so many sides to this thing called self-actualization. And when we're talking about sexuality, that's an issue within itself. So we have a lot more shows now that we are starting to um, know that we have to discuss to shed light on these types of topics. But Bob, it's so true. Mm-hmm. Children crave the attention, healthy or not healthy. And when they're very young, they can't differentiate between the two. I, I was... I was young, but not as young as, I I can't remember when I really self-actualized to know that I was in an unhealthy environment in my home as a child. I do remember that I was extremely young. I had enough wherewithal to to know that something wasn't right. And um, the thing is, you're a child. I was a child. I didn't know where to turn. And when children are trapped, no matter what the circumstance, it leads to very bad things, but for the grace of God that I made it through. Because as I've shared many times, I thought about suicide hundreds of thousands of times because I had to escape what it was, whether it's I'm trapped in the wrong body or I'm in a very abusive and strange family setting that's not right. Um, These are things that we can discuss. So um, I think that we're on to something again. But, again, self-actualization is such a powerful uh, topic. Um, We have, um, you know, and Bob even says, ditto, he was suicidal for over 20 years. And, you know, some of us make it through this. We learn how to conquer this, but many do not. And... um, so that's that's um that's what I have to say on a topic. Anyone else feel free to jump in and uh add your comments because we are really moving in an interesting direction with this um conversation. So um I'm interested to hear all of your thoughts. While we're waiting, um, Bob says, I now believe in me, but it took a lot of thought. And Shauna's going through crisis with her grandbaby over there. Um, So that's why Shauna's on mute. Anyone have anything, anyone in a call query, even though everything got ultra large over here, I can still see that we have quite a few people in the call query if you want to be on air Background noise and all, feel free to press the number one on your phone, and I will bring you on air. Um, It's a live program, and people have things to say, and don't let background noise, unless it's something where you know we just can't hear your voice, um, feel free to press the number one, and I'll bring you on air. Because there's, there's quite a few people who are talking to me over on social media who want to say something, some people just don't want their their voice. Um, they don't want um, 
to hear, I think, okay, Bob says he's muted. I have unmuted you, Bob, if you want to add to um, the conversation or the comment. You're unmuted now, so go ahead. Thanks. Yeah, I'd just like to share a pivotal moment in my reclaiming my authentic self. And again, it's, it's going back to my childhood. And I can still... I was about four and three-quarter years old. It was a Sunday morning, and I got up, bounced out of bed, brushed my teeth, combed my hair, put on my red T-shirt, feeling really, really grown up, and went down to breakfast. And Mum said, Bobby, go back upstairs and put on your blue T-shirt. You know you'll love your blue T-shirt. So I stood up, confused, as I thought, well, no, I love my red T-shirt. That's why I put it on. But mum must be right, because she's big, and she's violent, and I mustn't make her angry, and she is mum. Now, that is the earliest recollection I have of dropping my belief in me and believing in somebody else that knew how I was supposed to be. That's my earliest recollection. And that established a pattern that I carried through into adult life, you know. I believed what other people said about me. Now, for me, the only experts on depression are those people who have worked through it, you know. But if for years, I believed what the psychiatrists and psychologists were saying, that there was something wrong with me and there was a chemical imbalance. Um, but all I knew, I was in a lot of pain. I was in a lot of pain. And the pain of depression is real. But then I... Again, in a, one of these lucid moments, the light bulb went off. I just sat down with this pain, and I suddenly realized that it, the pain was actually nothing to do with the mind. It's not a mental illness. It was a wound of the soul. Deep within my soul, I knew I wasn't being me, and that I was believing in other people, you know. And from the research I've done, no psychiatrist has ever... And this is going back to 1984. The research I've done, no psychiatrist has ever claimed to have cured anybody. And the same with psychologists. Psychiatrists just give you drugs to numb the pain, or to detach right. you from your feelings. And psychologists just give you coping skills to live with the pain. But for me, the pain of depression is just a natural human response of a a vital human being having to live in such an oppressive society and also having lost the, the belief in their own self, in trusting their inner tuition, their gut feeling. Now, I've bet my life a few years ago on trusting my gut feeling, my intuition, which is why I'm content. I, I totally believe in me, you know. And I've lost everything in the process. I've lost a wife and family, a good job, career. But I found me, and I reckon, on balance, I paid a fair price because I am now content. But I had to do right. the work. Right. I had to face my demons. <laughs> yeah. And now, yeah. and now they're butterflies. Yeah. And now my demons are butterflies in my garden. <laughs> so thanks for letting me share, ladies. Sure. Sure, and and I like the way that you put that your demons are now butterflies in your garden. Um, we're going to put you back on mute. Let me go over here and read 
comment from social media. We live in a world where we want to put everything out there to the world, but they really can't handle everything that comes with that. I understand helping others, but you have to do it in a way for your children, in a safe way for your children, because they are just that, children. I I think that if we're back to the, the Dwayne Wade and, and Gabrielle um, situation, I think that they had spoken with their child at some length. Um, I, I saw an interview with them a couple days ago, I guess, maybe a week or so. And um, and in doing so, uh, I believe that they didn't make their choice lightly. And, you know, life is not a one-size-fits-all. If they chose to go that route, hope, hopefully they, they, um, they had a plan in effect or they were expecting some type of backlash. And it comes down to not only that, but as you said, for some, People accept it willingly, while others, they want to give them backlash. And in this current climate, what's going on is that, you know, some people, it could be down to race or anything. Um, Even within the African-American community, you know, some things that used to be totally taboo are becoming more acceptable now, while other things are still like a no-no for certain people. um, ethnic group. So again, all of these things come into play, which makes a good topic for another day. But how do you handle your children? I think that whatever decision that the parents make, they feel as though it's in the best interest for their child. And hopefully they have a plan in place to understand and prepare for backlash. And that, you know, and that's the thing. It's like we can all, and myself, you know, we can say this power should be done or why did they do this or they should have did it this way. I'm, I've never been in their shoes. Um, and some, many of us have not. Um, and so it's easy to say on this side of the story what, you know, what should have been or, you know, they're not doing this in their best interest. Um, you know, I would hope because I don't know them, so I didn't have a sit-down conversation with them. <laughs> but, you know, I would hope that they, and I'm sure that they examined, you know, um, you know what they were doing. You know, if we go and speak publicly here, here's our reasons behind it. And I'm sure they had that conversation, or I hope that they had that conversation, you know, with not just her, you know, their, their daughter, but within all of the children, um, you know, to prepare them for the backlash, to prepare them for people's opinions. Um, because we are all entitled to our opinions, but sometimes, you know, we all don't thoroughly examine the words that are about to fall out of our mouth and sharing our opinions and the repercussions of that. Sometimes our opinions become judgmental, um, and we need to be very careful of that, um, because if indeed they're highlighting a movement or in support of their daughter, um, you know, it becomes, okay, if I don't like it, like when it was on social media and Facebook or whatever, If you don't, for me, if I didn't want to read the story or if I don't want to hear it, I don't tune in. It's bottom line. You know, let people be who they are and do their journey. And instead of me, you know, jumping in and saying, oh, it has to be this way or it should have been this way, I just don't tune in. And and that's part of going back to self-actualization for myself. 
I don't honor those things that are not helping me be the best me. I support you. I pray for you. I love you. I encourage you to go after yours, but I don't have to entertain everything in my world. Right, right. Just because I'm there and I say that I pray for you, that doesn't mean that I want to infuse you into my journey. And um, Exactly, exactly. You know, I like that. How you know that infuse. I like that word. I like that word. Infuse you into my journey. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. Like that. Because we definitely do. We infuse everything. We intertwine everything. You know, we take things so personally, and then you know we start sharing, and then we get out. Then we get our emotions high, <laughs> and it's like it's, the story has absolutely nothing to do with me at this moment. <laughs> like, not saying this one here, but I'm just saying like when we get so wrapped up in other people's lives and worlds. And, mm-hmm. you know, if that's that, that's that energy that you can, you know, set your own soul on fire and use that energy to be your best, you know, to make whatever changes, to do the hard work. Right. Self-actualization is work. It's something that I cannot just lay my head down, you know, and just it happens overnight, you know. It, it's work. And it's even more work to allow other people to come into their own the way they choose to because their journey may not be, like I said earlier, it may not be scripted as I thought would be the best and the easiest way for them to get there. But it's their journey. It's my journey. Like, for example, C, let me be, he knows me. We've known each other for years. We've talked intimate conversations. Like, I shared some stuff with C and vice versa, but she allows me to be me. I might today be you know, the you know, the best mom in the world cooking breakfast, lunch, dinner and snacks and tomorrow I might be running through the lily fields passing out lilies, you know? <laughs> just and she allows me to be me. And sometimes we just have to allow people to be. Right. And and, and, support, and I know that support. Yes. Yes. And there there are times when you all know I always say, Yep, mhm, I let you, you know, Give me the pushback and the kickback and everything else. And I'm like, yeah, okay, see, yeah. You know, I just sit around and wait for you to come to the realization that this is where you need to be and what you need to do. So you just go ahead and kick me and push me back, and I'll see you when you're ready to move forward. And, um, you know, and that's it. But I give you that chance to come into the realization for yourself. And that's where um, so many people, again, they say, nope. This is this here. Yeah, take this manual. This is how you must do things. And some of the most successful people, no matter what area of life they're in, are the people who decided to tear up that manual and throw it in the fire. Because um, I was thinking about something when when Tar Tar was talking about the person who said, you know, after a while things weren't right, but they got a chance to like it and this and that. I was thinking about Don an old movie that I saw. Name. What's the name? Donnie McClurkin. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, Donnie McClurkin. Um, but this is the thing. I want to say there was this movie once, and this person, it's kind of like you get this object, and you become what they call a skinwalker, so to speak. And when we were talking about infusing, if we get, let all of the wrong people influence us and get to us somehow, it's almost like they make a slit in our skin and they slot up inside mm-hmm. of our body. We no longer exist. And then they're there where we used to be. And 
you know, the, forget self-actualization because it becomes self-annihilation. And now we mm-hmm. no longer exist because someone else has taken our place. And what did Bob say earlier about, you know, don't, you know, you like that blue shirt and you're thinking, he's thinking, but I like my red shirt. That's why I have it on. But this person must be the, telling me the truth because maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one who's mistaken about what I think I, I know I like. So you go up and then you change from your red shirt that you really, really like to the blue shirt. But then are we really happy doing that because we're wearing the blue shirt when we really like the red shirt? But somebody said that we know we like this blue shirt. So, again, um, you know, Bob, yeah, what you're saying is, is, is correct. The mind always looks for answers, but the heart already knows. But when you're a young child, You don't have that cognitive reasoning and functioning yet. So you're very impressionable. You're just like this this ball of clay sitting there, and whoever gets closest to you can mold you into whatever they want you to be. Mm -hmm. But if I was meant to be a vase and you mold me into a, a round spherical orb, there's a problem. But that's different when we're talking about inanimate objects like clay. But when you're dealing with human beings, that will cause a problem. If I know I'm meant to be this beautiful vase, but someone molds me into a spherical orb, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. But once that clay dries, I become that spherical orb, and I'm no longer able to create myself as that beautiful vase. I know I come up with some of the interesting a- analogies. It just you pops do. in my head. <laughs> but, and, but you no, know, but, but you it, can but it makes it. sense though. Mhm. You can see I can see it. Mhm. So for you know, me, so, I want I was a tomboy growing up. Like I was a tomboy for a few years. You know, my mom makes the jokes now like I was probably the only mother taking her daughter to father and son to buy boots cuz I used to wear those little working boots. Looking at the pictures oh, wow. on the site, I was a hot looking I was a hot looking mess back in the day. But you know, she just let me be because I, you know, where I grew up, the neighborhood where we, you know, I'm like, oh, I want to play football. I don't want to play with the Barbies. I want to play football. I want to play, you know, with the boys. I want to do this. And so, you know, I just mimicked what they were wearing, you know, and what they were doing, um, you know. And if my mother would have forced me to be like my older sister, who liked wearing the, you know, the frills and the lace and all that. I would have been a miserable child because it it wouldn't have made me happy. I remember sitting in prom irritated by that dang on dress. They had me in this big old Cinderella lacy dress. I was so miserable. And they allowed me just to be, I remember just kicking off those shoes and just kicking up my leg. And they people were just like, there goes Shauna being Shauna. And that's the thing, I've, my parents Whatever I chose to do in life, they just, they supported me and let me be. Now, there were times, like, I related to someone when we were talking about getting that attention. Children just want that attention. You know, and that reminded me, and this was, like, probably has nothing to do with anything, but my I wanted my dad's attention, you know, because I was, you know, the, probably the closest thing that he was going to have to a, a boy at that time. But I would want my dad's attention. I was a daddy's girl. You know, wherever daddy went, I wanted to be. And I remember one time when um, he was watching a Cleveland Browns game, and, you know, Browns fans know you don't interrupt daddy during that. And I remember trying to get his attention, and I remember rolling literally on my on the floor in the living room, rolling back and forth from side to side of the living room floor, trying to get his attention. 
you know, he said, you know, I, you know, I got in trouble because, you know, I was doing, I was being extra. Um, and I think I even brought in like, oh, I need Advil's. I have cramps. You know, I mean, I was just going all over the top. <laughs> and what I, but what I got from that later in life was I had to be mindful that I wasn't going to be in that position in my life to always seek attention from the person that I was looking up to, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And I see that, like he was saying, I see it in children all the time. I listen to my best uh, girlfriend, and she talks about she works in a school. And sometimes she's telling me some of the stories about these little children, and I'm like, what the heck? But then it becomes, you know, this kid gets this, he does this every day to get in trouble because he just seeks attention, seeks validation. He just wants somebody to just even see that he's not invisible. I mean, he's there. So it's just like, uh, it's a fine line that, you know, we have to pour into our children and pour into each other. Because we all want to be heard. We all want to be seen no matter what age we are to some degree. We all want to be recognized. We're human. It's okay. Right. But sometimes we have to be careful and mindful of that attention that we're seeking and how we're going about doing it. Right. And then we all, on the other side, we have to be mindful of the support and the attention that we give. Everything happening doesn't deserve our attention. It just doesn't. So be wise. Move wisely. When C and I were talking earlier this week, and she shared some feedback and some things, and I'm like, you know, I move in wisdom. I don't have to move to please. And so some people might feel slighted, which is not my intent to make anyone feel that way, but we have to move in wisdom. We got to practice wisdom. We have to know our children. This child may like this. That child may like that. And I don't like either one of them. <laughs> but we guide. We have to guide them and nurture them, and tell them it's okay to discover themselves. We're here to guide. Parents guide. I guide. I'm a parent. I guide. I guide my children. Am I guilty of guiding them in a direction that I feel they should go? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we'll do it again. (laughs) Yep. But those are the rules for my house. My rules and my views and beliefs may be different from yours. Right. Well, let me do this. That's our 15 minutes. That's our 15 minutes told. We're down to actually, we're down to 12 minutes and 54 seconds. So it's time for us to do our round table. We're going to go around the room quickly as we can. Words of wisdom you want to leave our listeners with today. Um, Allie B., take it away. I guess one thing I'll take from this discussion is, you know, making sure that whatever our journey is and whatever part of our journey that we're on, that we make sure that we are looking out for ourselves that we aren't draining ourselves before we have a chance to really work on what we need to uh, to achieve our goals through self-actualization. Thank you very much, ma'am. Good words of wisdom, Tarjay. Um, I guess I would say just um, we are 
we are worthy and we are important and we do have to learn how to put ourselves first in some aspects and not feel guilty when we do so because in order for us to be our best selves, we have to cater to ourselves and we can't do that while we're putting everybody else ahead. We um, slowly, you know, get more pushed. We get pushed to the side or pushed to the back, pushed to the bottom, however you want to look at it. So, um, we just have to understand that it's not a bad thing to put yourself first. It's not selfish. It can get to a point where it's selfish, but we got to find that healthy balance and um, just make sure that whatever we're doing, we're putting our best foot forward. We're putting 100% into it. We're not procrastinating. And just being aware and being mindful of other people's journeys and other people's feelings, they may not be the same, along the same views as ours, but we still have to be mindful and we still should respect everyone for where they are at whatever particular point in life. Yep, I agree totally. And let me do Bob's and then I'll hit you, Shauna, and then I'll pull it up so that we can get ready to end our So, yes, Shauna, I know time flies when you're in the middle of a really good conversation. So, um <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, let's see where we're going to start off. Healing healing the wounds of childhood is a very important step in self-realization and actualization. I'll add actualization to that, too. And, that, yes, that's very true. Um, I now believe um, that all are S period, U period, E, sovereign, unique, and equal, and everything else just flows from that. Bob goes on to say, I do not come here expecting agreement. For all are unique. I simply expect acceptance and validation of my own reality. I love this one. Knowing yourself is the first step to wisdom. And Bob ends by saying my well-being is my number one job, eh? And, yes, our well-being has to be part of the bigger picture. Um, Shauna? Okay, so today I'm going to close by saying be you. Be you, choose you, and do you. When you, if you are, if you don't know who you are, it's not too late. Choose you today and start your journey today. And be diligent, stay focused, and stay committed to yourself first. And others will be blessed along the way of your journey. Don't allow anybody to get you off course. Be who you are unapologetically. Hashtag. <laughs> love y'all. And here you go. And exercise and practice love along the way. <laughs> That's right. And and again, I want to say this before I go into my usual ending mantra, is that it's okay to make today about you. Make today the first day of the rest of you. Make today about discovering you putting you first, make today your birthday, but know that no one else can make you happy today but you. What are you going to do with that? Self-actualization comes in many, many forms, and in order for us to get to that next level of this thing called life and living and hope, happiness, and health, we have to understand the power of who we are as individuals. We have to understand that the person that we see glaring back at us in the morning should always look at us with intent, 
purpose and those eyes of wonder to see what we're going to do next. That person looking back at us in the mirror is waiting for us to find our worth so that every time that person in the mirror looks back at us, all we see is smiles and happiness, even in the midst of storms. The smile may not be as wide, but it's still going to be there because there's something to be said about being positive in the midst of negativity and knowing our worth. And Bob, before I go, he says, being requires neither thinking or doing, eh? Thanks, ladies. Always a joy to share with you. If you are not creating your life, who is? Good way to end. If you are not creating your life, who is? Continue to look for and find your voices. So as always, before we go, we want to pray you enough. We want to pray you enough sunshine to brighten those rainy days of yours. We want to pray you enough rain to make your gardens grow beautifully. We want to pray you enough smiles to turn that frown you've been carrying around upside down. But most of all, each of us wants to pray you enough strength and courage to face whatever may be knocking at your door. coming your way from this very moment and beyond. So until next next week is what? Isn't it open chat? Oh my. So who knows what will happen next week here on the Focus Females Global Chat Cafe. Again, check out what's really going on. The replay here and our show page on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And um, we will be back again next Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We're making the best of this time being here on this shutdown, lock-in, whatever you want to call it. Make the best of this. Stop making this something terrible. This is your time to plan and create and recreate. So with that said, as we begin, we're going to end with Tori Lee's good music, and then we will be um, recessing until next week. I'm talking in legal terms now, but we're going to be ending our program. Go out and be awesome. Be awesome this week. Some of you, I'll see you on the other side on social media. Thank you to all of the people who were uh, sharing in on social media. And for those of you who will listen to the replay, if this show helped you or you know someone who can benefit from it or any of our shows, please share them because it is our hope that through this small medium, we can touch the world. Until next time, I'm Dr. C with all of my panelists and co-hosts, Shauna G, Tarjay Ali B, Bob from Australia joining us today. Thank you so much for being here. We will see you soon. Take care, everyone. I get lost in your words. It feels so good when I'm hurt. Take my mind off of the pain. Love when the beat takes me away with only good music.
See you next time.